Welcome to Bear Football here on the Barroom Network. John Buffone alongside Aldo Gondia. The Chicago Bears fall 25 to 20 to the Philadelphia Eagles. They fall to 3 and 11 on the year. A lot of good football on this Sunday. A couple of games in overtime. Uh, it looks like the Chiefs just defeated the Texans in overtime and the Jaguars defeated the Cowboys in overtime. A lot of close games on the early slate of games, including this one where the Bears had their chances. They get three takeaways against one of the best teams in the NFL, uh, and they just can't put it all together to come back and win the game. Aldo, what were some of your uh, takeaways from this game, if there were any themes? Because this was this was kind of all over the place. There were some highs, there were some lows, and so what do you do? What do you take away from this? John, uh, this is, what, for some reason, I don't know why, my biorhythms or something, uh, this was one of the more emotional games that I've been, uh, that I've witnessed, definitely this year. I, I guess... Because I actually began to believe that the Bears had a chance to upset the Eagles today, and they did. They definitely did, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot. And that's been the story with this team all year. Despite the fact that it's a hugely undermanned roster, they still make it close on most of their games and against really good teams. For them to lose by five points to the Eagles without – they're two top receivers, Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. For them uh, to uh, you know, with, withstand all of the injuries that happened in the game, including an injury to Justin Fields that almost gave me a heart attack. I mean, that that's just unbelievable. So I'm not I'm not gonna be a silver lining kind of guy. I'm just going to applaud the Bears effort. Um, and just talk about the incredible frustration it is to be a Bears fan now. And I said it, uh, I, I, I think I'm Buffon 55, and I put it up on Twitter. I just want to go to sleep and wake up on the first day of free agency because I, I got a feeling that these next few games are going to be the same result for my poor heart. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I said this earlier this week. I, I, the one big thing I wanted to take away outside of potentially having a big upset win here was to maintain some of the health of whatever's left of this of this football team because we've seen some of those big injuries happen to some of the other teams. We saw Von Miller go down. We saw uh, Jimmy Garoppolo go, go down. We saw Kyler Murray go down. And especially when you're a bad team, you don't want anything to impact 2023. And that includes making sure Justin Fields is in one piece at the end of the season where he goes down and he's grabbing his leg and you're hoping to God it's not any kind of ligament damage that would require a long, a long time uh, kind of recuperation. Uh, but uh, but then you see Tevin Jenkins leave on a backboard, which is incredibly concerning for a number of reasons. You're hoping to God he's okay. Yes. But, uh, the same, uh, and of course, you're thinking about the long-term, uh, uh, the long-term uh, goals that the Bears have with him there. Uh, you, you you see Jack Sanborn go down, or you're not sure where he's going because this was a great. This was going to be a great four game audition for Jack Sanborn to not just obviously make the team next year, but potentially be a starter next year on that defense. And you're you're hoping that he has a couple of games to really put that you know really increase that evaluation. Who knows how long he could potentially be out if he's out at all. Uh, and so and then you the the receivers who, who was left out there Dante Pettis and Bayless Jones and so. Uh, you, Equinemius St. Brown goes down in the early part of the game. Not one receiver, I think, had more than one catch. Uh, if, if I'm, if I remember correctly, only only one receiver. Uh, no, Byron Pringle had two catches. He had two for 39, and that and that late touchdown. Other than that, uh, St. Brown had one. 
Uh, Simba Webster had two. In case you want to take anything, you want to take anything out of Simba Webster having two catches. There. No. But, uh, uh, so uh, I was just hoping to get everybody out of there clean. That didn't happen. But they they there was plenty of opportunities there. Uh, the takeaways you were hoping to turn some of some some of those into some points, more points than what they got. Uh, but all in all, you may have been. See, I was the exact opposite of this, Aldo. You were very emotionally invested. I was not. I was watching this game and, and I was I was like, okay, I'm evaluating. Things look pretty good. Hey, they got a chance to win this game. And then when they didn't, you're like, okay, well, there's a there's always something. The other shoe always falls. You know, they score a touchdown with a whole a lot of momentum, and Cairo Santos misses the extra point. There's always you can we we just can't have nice things. We get them and then we break them so it's it's just you can't we can't just have our cake and eat it too so I, I that entire time I'm just you know I'm being overly you know guarded because I'm not gonna I'm not because I was really really emotional in the Packer game because I wanted to win that game more than anything that would that was basically my Super Bowl when the Bears were playing the Packers a couple weeks ago and then we come into this game and I and I, I obviously wanted them to win I there, there I was amped up when they had a chance but when they didn't you're just like okay that was they played well against a team that should have blown their doors off. So uh, I, I do. Is it, is it too early to call Valus Jones an absolute unequivalent uh, bust to this team? Uh, yeah, somebody, he's, he's... somebody in the chat said that, you know, perhaps he's just a kick returner, a punt returner, and that's not that. what you want out of a third round pick. Although Devin Hester was uh, what a second round pick. But the game has changed since Hester was drafted. You know, they, you can't it, catch a punt. That's the other issue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does make it difficult yeah. to put him in that position. And I'm glad that the Chicago Bears put him back out there, you know. And, and But here's the thing that I'm worried about, John. And, and you know, you've played professional sports. I mean, not professional sports. But, yeah, I, I appreciate you assuming that I have. <laughs> you came close to playing yeah, professional I've been, sports. I've been around sports. I've been around <laughs> professional sports. Right. I, unless there's some osmosis going on there. But, I, I, <laughs> right. yeah. but you know how it is that there is that one giant leap from the minor leagues or college play to pro ball. Where now in the pros, everyone is playing at a higher level, at an elite level. And then what happens is in the, in the game of pro football, guys like Valus Jones are getting hit like never before. Mm -hmm. And so this is, I think this is in his head when he, there, there's contact coming. He just gets goofy with the football. He does not go through what he's learned in his pro football career or in, in his college career about hanging on to the ball. And I think he's just more concerned with the impact that he's about to get than he is with the fundamentals of ball safety. And so if, if during the preseason next year they don't correct that, then you got to drop him. You just have to just cut your losses and maybe some other team can rejuvenate his career. But this is no, no time to, you know, uh, spend on another Kevin White type guy. Now, the situation with Kevin White was totally different. Of course, that was more injuries. But, you know, Kevin White was just couldn't play in the NFL. And Valus Jones is right now telling us, yeah, I have a hard time playing in the NFL. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and it, this should be easier than Kevin White's situation because Kevin White, you invested a top 10 pick in Kevin White. This was a third-round pick. And so, mm -hmm. uh, listen, I also think the, the, the smaller things 
are much more important at the professional level as well. Because in college, you can maybe get away with having your arm off your body and letting that ball out for a couple seconds while you're running, and you can get away with that. In the NFL, that ball is never safe. No matter where you're at on the field, no matter how you're holding it, that ball is not safe. Ball protection is a a, a paramount concern. And so whenever you're a, a guy that, you know, he did stay in college for another year. He was an older player last year in the college ranks, and that's when he really started to turn some heads. And so I didn't listen I said at the beginning of the season I'm not trying to you know say something I you know go back on something that I said or pretend like I didn't say that I said that didn't overly concern me because if he hits I don't care if he's a 28 year old rookie if he can play he can play and that's great uh so far he can't play so uh that that is that is concerning uh especially uh especially when you're hoping that this is a guy that can come in and contribute right away because of that experience because he had that extra year at at the college level and he just does is not showing that right now and the thing that he was supposed to do best on special teams they had to take him off of so uh so now you gotta try to find a, a place for this guy if there is any so uh, i think the offseason not just uh for an, i mean there's a number of things that are going to go on the offseason but how they reload this position at, at wide receiver i think mm-hmm. is really going to dictate what bayless jones's role is going to be with this team moving forward uh, he's a third round pick and he might be on the roster next year uh but he could be buried he could be the fifth receiver he could be who he may not he could be a big time healthy scratch for half the season or, or, or anything like that so uh these last four games that we talked about this on Buffone 55 was this is an audition for a lot of these guys a lot of these guys are they may not be back next year because they only have what, I don't know the exact number, but they don't have that many people under contract. And the people that they do have under contract, they could they could absolutely get replaced in free agency or the draft. I, I don't think how many people are really safe on the roster. I think you could probably mm-hmm. use one hand. Uh, so uh, I, I think that he he could find himself buried next year if he doesn't try to if he does not get over this in the offseason or put something on tape that shows, OK, there's a glimmer there. There's something there. Uh, I don't think we've seen any of that so far. Has there have there been a, has there been a glimmer at all last uh, throughout this year? Because I can't think of one. Yeah, I mean there was the preseason run back on kickoffs, and I think there was one play during the regular season that he you know uh, he he had a, a good uh, result, but. I'm with Bruce Ali Walter Jordan that, you know, the practice squad is could be in Valus Jones future in 2023. But the, the issue is, as you said, this guy is 25 years old. And so if you're going to give him two seasons of practice squad uh, work so that he can get accustomed to the pro game, you're then looking at a 27, 28 year old wide receiver. This is just not good. And somebody else, in the chat said that this was the Phil Emery. Hugh Heavens said that this is the Phil uh, Emery, smartest guy in the room pick. And it could, it could be, you know, I, the word is, is that Luke Getze fell in love with what he could do uh, uh, in terms of bubble screens and, 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 and basically be an extension of the running game, get in the ball real quick and let him create magic with that amazing speed. But that, you know, you can't, draft these gadget guys in the third round you are looking for starters in the first three rounds and that to me it could be the biggest of several mistakes ryan poles has made uh during the preseason leading up to this season so you know i'm i'm still in favor of polls i'm still in favor of the uh, rebuild uh, but there's been there's definitely been some mistakes. And so when we talk about players having to improve in 2023 during the offseason and leading into 2023, 
Ryan Pose and his scouting department have to improve too. We can't get the same results uh, uh, in our draft and our free agency pickups that we did in 2022. That will be unacceptable. And if it happens, then hopefully uh, 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 McCaskey is ready to, to, to jump in and do something. Yeah, listen, I, I don't think we can go – I'm not going to be someone that thinks that everything that Ryan Poles does is 100% correct, and I don't think anyone can do that. Uh, is there hope that, you know, hopefully these professional scouts who are watching these guys all the time know more about a guy than I do? Okay, possibly. So I'm going to – again, I'm at least going to give that new regime the benefit of the doubt that they see something in him that they can bring him in. Now, obviously, the tape is not showing that. The games are not showing that. So I think that we can be, we can be a bit critical of the pick now which which is unfair as that may be is like oh let it play out then crush somebody for it but that's just that's what we do uh mm-hmm. that's what that's that's what my that's what our job is their job is to try to get it right before it's wrong so right. uh so <laughs> i i think that this this was a so far i think this has been an absolute bust so i think that i think that it's something that they're easy easily to move on from obviously you do, you wish a third round pick like you said as a starter hopefully a guy that can contribute uh but i i think at the same time you know don't don't try to double down on something that's not working. I hate when I hate when organizations do that. I hate when you know not just in sports but in you know business in general. It's like that was a bad decision. Let's double down on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see if we see if we can make it work. So especially John, excuse me for interrupting, yeah. but especially at a position that you need productivity from. You know, somebody uh, my my man Illwill on Twitter t- today said Justin Fields just threw a pass to Nasimba Webster. And it's so funny because it's true. The poor guy is throwing to guys who are vagabonds. No offense, Nasimba, but you you're a vagabond in the league. You've never done anything in this league that gives you the credibility credibility of being a wide receiver on a pro football team. Right. You're a good return, man. That's where he is. Like we got two Valus Jones and Webster and Jones and that's ridiculous. And so Ryan Poles has to correct this mistake, has to correct it. And the coaching staff does too. They've got to get Chase Claypool. I hope that he plays yeah. some games this season and he comes back and he at least has some, you know, good catches and issues a promise to all of us Chicago Bears fans that it's going to be fine with Chase and hopefully Darnell Mooney will come back. Uh, he will. He can't come back this season, of course, but hopefully Darnell Mooney will come back next season and play at a high level, and then we'll have to these two good wide receivers. But right now, this wide receiver position for the Chicago Bears is bad. And the offensive line, John, looked equally bad today, too. Yeah, listen. The, the team—it's a bad team whenever it's fully healthy. They're even worse whenever, whenever they're, whenever they're all banged up. So I'm not sure what people were expecting out of the team for the last four games. I think what we talk about is what we can take out of this as far as observational of moving into 2023. What can we see that is promising moving forward? Uh, Today, I, I think we saw, you know, Justin Fields making the best out of what he has whenever he's he has no time with Tevin Jenkins out of there. And I think Cody Whitehair didn't didn't look great just for me watching it in real time. I haven't got to go back and look at it, but uh, uh, it, it just looks like he was running for his life and he was trying to make anything happen out there, which eventually that catches up to you. And you, you, you he got a little banged up at the end there. So, too. So you're hoping that doesn't become a trend. So I, I hope uh, that the GM sees this, the front office sees this and says, Hey guys, uh, you know what? Maybe we're going to invest in that offensive line heavily. Now 
whether that's through the draft or whether that's through free agency or whether it's a combination of both, uh, I don't know. But uh, I think that I think in the offseason, what you're going to do, what you're going to see is them invest heavily in free agency, maybe not not free agency in the draft uh, in wide receiver and maybe try to pull off a trade, uh, because as we've said numerous times, the free agent pool for wide receivers is terrible. Yes. This is not this is not this is not a free agent class that you want to spend a bunch of money in because there's no one on there that's a number one receiver. I can't think of one wide receiver uh in, in that pool that's gonna be like that guy comes in automatic first day number one, can rely on him. There are no there are no like like we saw today, there are no oh AJ Browns, there's no Devonta Smith, there's no uh unless you're gonna go and trade for one like the Eagles did to bring in for uh, to bring in for Jalen Hurts, where is Mike Evans gonna be available if Tom Brady leaves? Uh is T. Higgins is going to be available if they if they, the Bengals are going to sign Jamar Chase to a long term deal and Higgins wants to go somewhere else. So uh, hopefully the, we see a, a big a big strapping young man <laughs> wide receiver one next year that can that can complement a wide receiver core of Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. I, I think that if you do that, then you then you have a, a viable option there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, you know, and uh, I, I mentioned this during the halftime show that Dave Wanstad said in one of the pregame shows that an offensive lineman, uh, the college football is having a terrible, terrible time producing quality offensive linemen because the offenses that they run in college are, are, are don't need quality offensive linemen. They're not being coached. Uh, to prepare themselves for the NFL. And so once that said, if you're going to get some help for this offensive line, look at free agency, get some veterans in here. And I I kind of have to agree with them because we don't want that. That's, that's the key thing. We just lost John. Hopefully he'll be back. Uh, But that's the key thing. You cannot waste Justin Fields um, career. You cannot, John, I was just saying, you cannot waste Justin Fields' career, put his career in danger mm-hmm. with an, uh, an offensive line that's not capable of protecting him. Now, you people will come and say, well, that Eagles defensive line is one of the best in the league. Yeah, that's true. But, John, I've learned this from you. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have an offensive line right. back with them. Right? I, I, always, I always hate that. Uh, it, the fact that it's like, it's like, well, they're really good. Okay, then be really good yourself. <laughs> like, like there's there's ways that you can address that. We're just saying, just chalk it up to, uh, you know what, we're just not good enough. So uh, I guess we're gonna have to get our quarterback hurt. Like I that. Think that got, Coach Eberflus is at the podium. Stand Let's by. Go to him. Uh, that's one of the things we need to get done uh, here in the next few games, and uh, that's that's the biggest thing. The biggest takeaway for me is the head football coach. Um, I do think that uh, there was a lot of good things out there. Um, you know, defensively, we had three takeaways. I thought that was outstanding. That's what we're more used to. And I also think that uh, we stopped them on downs on a fourth and six, which is excellent. And then we had that – they had that long drive, and they ended up missing the field goal, and, and you know, it was banged off the side, uh, the goal pole. So um, – but I uh, thought the guys had passion, had energy. I thought we tackled well um, overall uh, as a group, and, and that, I was pleased with that for sure. Um, you know, looking at, uh, you know, the third downs is where we need to be better. You know, the third down battle, um, you know, they won that battle, which is sustaining drives, making critical plays uh, when you need to. Uh, for example, that last third down, you know, they end up throwing the, the slant there to Brown. And uh, that was a critical down uh, for us there. So, um, you know, overall, 
you know, for us, we sustained some injuries, you know, today, which is unfortunate. You know, uh, I know that was that was announced, but, you know, again, we'll take these things day by day. But uh, EQ, you know, had the concussion. Uh, you know, Tevin uh, had his neck. Uh, he's out, but everything looks, you know, positive there. So just so everybody knows that, that's encouraging. Uh, you know, 57, we'll look at the ankle and MRI that and get a situation with that. We don't know where that is. 33. Uh, Jalen with the ribs. Uh, again, we'll see where that is uh, tomorrow. We'll get more information. And then Justin, he really just uh, had cramps. You know, he had cramps. He had to come in, you know, for an IV, and uh, and uh, he'll, he's he's all set, ready to go. But uh, again, I was also encouraged by the last drive that offense had. You know, that's uh, you know a two minute situation uh, where we're hurry up on the ball and we end up scoring a touchdown, uh, which that was outstanding by the offense, and uh, we're certainly excited um, to see that going forward. Uh, with that, open to questions. Jason's situation was scary. Yeah. Is he responsive? Any more communication about how, what it was? Or how yeah, he, he was responsive. Uh, we could see him moving his hands out there. But, uh, again, I don't know much more than that. They just told me that it's encouraging. That's all I got from the medical staff right now. Is a loss like this, a one-score loss against a team that's considered the best in the NFL, mean anything more because it was as close as it was? It was more competitive than many, many people thought? Yeah, uh, we don't look at it that way. We really don't. We, we focus on, you know, one one game at a time, and, you know, preparing uh, to play our opponent and beat our opponent. And we didn't get that done. You know, so it's uh, it's more about uh, us. You know, it's always going to be about us, how we do things. You know, our execution in the critical moments needs to be better. You know, like I said, on third down, uh, you know, in the red area. You know, when we get takeaways, you know, the one thing that we need to do better on offense is when we do get takeaways in a short field, we got to punch it in. You know, and at one situation, we ended up, you know, fourth and 27, I want to say it is. You know, and then we decided to take the delay there because we were out of kick range. You know, uh, Cairo's kick range today was the 27-yard line. So we were at the 31, and I believe Philadelphia did the same thing. They were at the 33, and they elected to to punt and pin too, but uh, or go for it, I believe, but uh, – um, that's the way the wind was out there today. It was a tough, it was tough sledding out there uh, in the kicking game. Um, again, in the kicking game, we need to do a better job. Uh, uh, we had that big kick return to start the second half. Uh, I wasn't uh, excited about that. We need to do a better job covering there on the left side of our kick uh, kick cover team. But uh, and again, the rest of the day they did a nice job. You know, they did a nice job there. I thought uh, Trent had a good couple of good nice punt and pins. He had a really good uh, couple of nice punts. And uh, you know, it's unfortunate that Cairo missed another extra point. You know, that was unfortunate. Uh, we uh, get the operation there squared away. I have to look at the tape. Uh, we'll see where that is. But, uh, yeah, overall, again, like I said, we just got to be better in critical moments. Yeah, the game swung a little bit late in the first half when Hurts hit that touchdown run against your foot. What did you see on that play? What can you guys do? Better? Yeah, you'll see it when you rots it again. We had two guys in the same gap. You know, the safety supposed to be in the other gap. We should have we had that dead to rights. Um, and that's unfortunate uh, that that happened. Uh, I think uh, Allen called a great pressure there. Uh, in that situation, and uh, that's what it was. Matt, as Matt, as the season is winding down, you're already eliminated from the playoffs. Injuries are racking up. What is the goal for you as a coaching staff for your team for the rest of these? Yeah, playoffs? I would just say championship habits. You know, so I put that in front of the guys every week. So you know, it doesn't matter win, lose, or draw. We want to see championship habits from the individual. So that means the minute you come into the building, you are laser-like focused on the job at hand until the minute, minute you leave. And then afterward, you're studying to make sure you're going to perform at a high level. Each guy, we, we, we challenge them to perform at an A-plus game every single week. 
Um, and it's all based on practice and based on how you play in the game. And, uh, you know, guys will rotate in and out based on that, on that production. And we challenge those guys every single week. And, and as a football team, we want to play complimentary football. We want to do that. We want to be able to finish these games. We want to be able to have that instincts to be able to be that competitive instincts at the end to make sure that we are focused and finishing the games the right way. And uh, we're getting better. I think we're getting better as you watch it. And it's important for us. Every one of these plays, every one of these games is real important to us uh, going forward to, to look at everybody and really and also the morale of our team and how we're competitive as a football team. At Tevin's injury, yeah. I don't think you guys have had a situation that looked that scary on the field. Mm -hmm. On the football side, like, do you know if he's okay? Was he taken to the hospital? Or yeah, uh, we said it earlier. I'll give it to you again. Uh, so it was. it's really just uh, – it's encouraging – um, that's all we really have from uh, Andre and the medical staff right now, but it looks encouraging. You know, they, they're evaluating him still, but it does look encouraging. Was he taken off-site? Was he taken to the hospital? Yeah, he was. Yep. Ben Davis lost another fumble today. Yeah. I'm just curious where your assessment is or where he's at. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like when guys lose the football. It's not good. Um, guys have to do a better job securing the ball. Again, I'll look at the tape. Uh, but when you're in traffic, you got to have five points of pressure on the ball and put your class pan over your other hand. Uh, so that's an important piece to it. Uh, but like I said, we'll look at it and we'll see where it is. It's been a consistent issue for him going back to the preseason fumbling. Um, yeah, I mean uh, the, the other two, you know, you got the two muff punts. That's a little bit different, you know, because it's it's uh, not when you have the ball secured, um, you know. So, but uh, we'll look at it. And again, you know, he's got to stay encouraged. He's got to keep working, and he's got to do the things right. I know he can do it. And uh, we'll, we'll coach him to do that way. So uh, we'll see where it goes. 22 yard touchdown uh, run by Hurts. Thought he looked like he blitz. First was walking up. And then I don't know if he changed the play or not, but they catching the wrong defense. How did he stay on the Yeah, that's the same play they were talking about. So it's just the safety was in the same gap as the D tackle. He should have been in the other A gap. Yeah, well, what do you see at Jalen Johnson from your point of view going up against some elite uh, wide receivers? Yeah, it was good. We had him travel today. So he was traveling with, with Brown the whole day. So uh, if he was outside, he was covering him. If he was inside, we let we let Gordon cover him. But uh, he was with him all day. And, again, that's a, that's a, going to be a tough matchup for any corner. That's a, a, one of the top receivers in the league. He's got a big body. Um, you know, he's very competitive, very strong. Um, and I think he caught two big fade balls uh, today. And then also uh, Smith, number six, caught, caught one also. Uh, but those guys are dynamic players, uh, some of the best in the league. But uh, – you know, we got to rise up there, and really, we got to finish. Those are plays that we got to finish. Um, you're never out of it as a defensive back, even if you're out of position a little bit. You can still strain to be able to make those plays at the very end. Um, and again, Jalen did a really good job. There was a lot of other plays that, that uh, the ball was overthrown where he was covering them. You know, he, he made a lot of competitive plays where he knocked the ball off. You know, uh, number eleven today. So there was a lot of plays too. It's 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 uh, he was very competitive against him today. Is that a tolerable rookie mistake by Jaquan Brisker on the run, or we pass that point now that it's December? No, I mean uh, it's it's you know assignments are are important, right? You know, so if you're a guard or, or a tight end and you have a protection and you end up you know get, you know not doing it the right way, it's important, right? It's alignment, assignment, key technique, right? And if you want to execute in the critical moments, which that might be a critical moment, right? Third and ten, um, you have to get that done, and we expect our players to do that. And we challenge them to do that. And it's not only them, it's the coaches. Who's coaching that guy, right? Is, are you responsible for that guy? You are. Remember, it's a partnership. So when your player plays great, man, that's a partnership. If your player ends up doing some things that, that, that you got to get it corrected, it's a partnership. So it's the coach and the player. On the, um, on the field uh, touchdown of David Montgomery, yeah. 
2013. Did you give thought to going for two there? Yeah, that's that's a, a situation where it's a, it's a color that's for in fourth quarter it's definite go for two, but in third quarter it, it you can or cannot. But uh, we decided to go just kick it. Justin went over a thousand rushing yards. Yeah. What's your reaction? To just no that's great. That's great. I mean, I think it's a franchise record for quarterback. Obviously, goes over a thousand yards. Uh, one of the first, you know, only one of three quarterbacks in the history of the league with Lamar and Vic. Um, so that's pretty special, you know, and he's a special guy, uh, you know, that run he made uh, down there. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So um, he's, he's doing an excellent job. He's doing a really good job of leading our football team. I think it's where he's growing the most over the second half of the, of the season. And he's just getting more and more confident as he goes. Yeah. Yeah. So the numbers there tell us that we're onside kick there. All the way, you know, so we got to kick a better kick there. I don't only went nine yards. I think we got to put it there a little bit deeper. And Kyler's been kicking that in practice. Excellent. You know, that that little spinner kick. Um, he's been doing great in that. And uh, just we got to execute there at that moment. So the number is the time on clock. Yeah. Yeah. Time on clock and timeouts they have. Yep. What's your level of frustration not being able to get more out of the takeaways you got in terms of converting them? And obviously, the one of them, you, you get you end up with the ball down inside the red zone at the 14 yard line and end up punting. On yeah. Side. Yeah. Yeah, so we got to, it's called sudden change. You know, it happens on both sides of the ball. So when we take the ball into that plus field, um, you know, inside that 30, 35 yard line, either through special teams or taking the ball away, which we did, the offense has got to, you know, they got to score touchdowns there. And that's how you put guys away. And it's, you create momentum that way. And I think it's, that's something we have to learn to do as a football team. And conversely, when it happens to the defense, you got to hold them to field goals. It happens where a return comes into that situation or an interception or something, and you're right there, and then you just got to bow up, and you got to make them kick field goals. Well, with Cairo, with Cairo do you, is he dealing with some sort of injury that you know of? Not that, not that I know of, not that I'm aware of. Do you think this is more of like a psychological thing for him at this point? I, I just think it's execution. You know, you just going to look at the, the details of, you know, where, where everything is, you know, so for the snap, the hold, the plant foot, all those things that we look at with detail. Um, and just look at it that way. So it's just like, you know, anything else, you know, any other skill that you're trying to do, it's about the details of it. And uh, he just got to look hard, hard at that. We're going to continue to coach him up and uh, Cairo's going to be fine. You say the execution, are you talking about Cairo individually, Cairo specifically? Just everything. Just like everything. You know, I got to look, look at the tape, snap, hold, kick, you know, plant foot, everything that looks, you know, uh, that we're squared away with there. And you just got to do a good job execute. Forgive me if this was asked earlier, but on the punt from, uh, from the 32 or whatever, was if Cairo let you guys know that was too far? Yeah, yes, we talked about that. I'll, I'll say it again. That's fine. Um, you know, so his kick line was 27 yards with the wind today. So when it was there at the 31, um, we were out of our kick line there. So we we're going to take a delay. We're going to punt and pin. And like I said, Trent did a nice job of punting and pinning today. He did a pretty good job. With Nikhil Harry, I know he was doing warm-ups today. Yeah. This week. Was there a setback? Was it back? No, I mean, it's just day to day. Just wasn't ready, you know, so he's the back, you know, and Clay's got the knee. So hopefully we're, you know, hopeful with, for those guys coming up and uh, hopefully it looks good for tomorrow and we'll know more information then. Yeah, we talked all week about how good their defensive front was. Yeah. What makes them so good at stunting and, and, and what were your assessment of just kind of how you handled that today? Yeah, it's uh, obviously not good enough, you know, because we give up too many sacks. But, uh, again, that, a lot of times that's getting rid of the ball and, you know, handling the stunts as, as a defensive line or offensive line versus that defensive line. Uh, they do it well. I mean, they're aggressive, um, they're violent, um, and they have talent, a lot of talent up there. So, you know, you can see from Hassan to Sweat to all the guys inside, Hargrave, all those guys that are in there, um, they throw it in there with violence. And it's it's hard to pick up, especially when you have those five-man stunts. Those, those are pretty effective. And uh, – they did a nice job.
What was your perspective on that 39-yard run that Justin had, the one that we sent out of the nine-yard line? Yeah. I mean, took when it comes to Hassan Reddick for him, like going under him and then missing the two tackles. Yeah, just, just special. I mean, I was on the far side, so I was kind of moving around my head and stuff, trying to figure out where, what he was doing, and uh, he just stayed in bounce and kept going. So uh, um, exciting player to watch. Matt, has it been difficult for you as a coach to try to view things as progress beyond wins and losses this season, to see progress whether regardless of the results? Or like, is your hard wired your entire life to it's win or lose? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think you got to have perspective. Um, I think you have to have perspective again, when you're in the game, you know, we're in the game. I think that obviously it's, it's a hundred percent, you know, get after it uh, by any means necessary, you know, and then after the game, you have to evaluate the performance. You know, it goes back to what we said, you know, the game is the game now, you know, if you win by five or lose by five, um, then you have to have that perspective. You know, how do you get better next week, each individual and each unit? What gives you that perspective? What would you lean on in terms of trusting the process to that this is going the right way? Yeah, I mean, you can look at a lot of things. You look at different teams in the past. You know, everybody has to go through this. You know, we're we're in the process of doing that right now. And it, and to me, it's more about you know the work habits each guy and the work habits of the units and having that championship work habits. You know, that that to me is the most important thing because that's what you can stand on. You can stand on that along with our hits principle. You can stand on that. You know, that's the foundation that will that will last time and it's always going to be there and it's never going anywhere. OK, and as you get going, as you start executing better, OK, finishing games better, wins will start to stack. And that, that to me is you always have to have that. If you don't have that, it's 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 not going to work. But we do have that. We have it and our guys are working their tail off and we have that foundation that we're building right now. How do you reconcile believing that things are headed the right way but being three and eleven? Yeah, just by the tape. Watch the tape. You know, to me, it's you watch the tape, and you know, sometimes the results aren't there, but I see what I see in practice, and I see what I see in the games, and we're heading the right direction. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Head coach Matt Eberflus at the uh, podium there. A um, couple takeaways from me before I throw it over to you, Aldo. Um, you know, I'm normally – not someone that harps on the media very often. I don't like that. I don't like to do that. I think they have a very tough job. I did that job for quite some time, but I, I don't know if they're checking out as well because they asked the same question like three times. And I think Matt Eberflus was tired of talking about Brisker taking the wrong gap on that, on that Jalen Hurts play. And then someone had to re-ask uh, about uh, Cairo Santos. Like, Hey, uh, Pay attention to what's going on here. Uh, so, uh, but uh, obviously, great news about Tevin Jenkins. Like he's gonna sounds like he's gonna be okay. Uh, I don't know if we can expect to see him again this year, but at least it sounds like he, he's he's gonna be uh, okay. Um, as far as some of the other things, I, uh, clearly he showed some very strong as strong as a coach can show in a post-game press conference about Bayless Jones I think that that's that's a very telling uh tone and a very uh he was very quick to snap I don't like it like almost like yep. before the question was even done he was able to snap that out uh did you pick up on that oh yeah I was really really encouraged by when he said that it's like I've had enough of this you can't do this young man and I'm sure they're gonna have a closed door session Eberflus, the wide receivers coach, Luke Getze, and they're going to let Valus Jones know, dude, if you want to stay in this league, you have got to get this thing corrected. And, you know, and that's the way to handle a situation like this. This is, a, you know, this is a, 
when you've got players who are basically sacrificing their lives, putting their lives in danger to win games, and you've got some guy making repeated mistakes over and over again, the leash has to be very short. And I'm all, I'm a very compassionate and empathetic type of person, but in certain situations, that empathy and patience wears off real quick. Yeah, I, I think it's going to wear off probably by the, depending on what they bring in to replace him with. <laughs> I think yeah. that the I think he's got maybe a few more chances at the end of this season to show that there, like I said earlier, there's a glimmer of hope there, and then they can keep him around and try to incorporate him into some things. Uh, but I, I think that yeah, I, I think that this is probably about run its course because you were hoping, like we've said over and over again, not just in this last hour, but the entire season, that this was a guy that you thought we could potentially come in and contribute right away because of his experience as his age. We weren't sure about his skill set or exactly what exactly he brought to the table other than he was potentially going to be that gadget play. He was, you know, people saying that he could be the Debo Samuel of the team. Now, I don't know if he showed as much potential as Debo Samuel ever did, but that was no. that could have been where uh, he was going to be at. So, but it, it hasn't worked. And uh, I think a couple other things just that uh, Matt Eberflus talking talk about Cairo Santos, uh, obviously was it five missed extra points this year. And yes. so it's uh, that's, that's a little bit concerning, but uh, I think I saw it in the chat room during this, how, how much of that is, soldier field and how much of that is Cairo Santos or are the two very connected because he, he has to kick at soldier field. Mm -hmm. I think that right now it's all in his head because last year at soldier field, he, yeah. he kicked very well. And starting with that first game against San Francisco in those terrible conditions, he missed two extra points. And then later in the season, he missed another one, and now uh, he's he's up to four or five. So I I just believe, you know, when, when that camera caught him saying, yeah, I don't think I can <laughs> – the wind's too strong. Yeah. And then earlier in the season, he talked about how difficult it was to kick in Soldier Field. I wonder if he doesn't have a bit of Mitchell Trubiskyitis where the pressure and everything around them is getting getting to him because he is capable of making the kicks. He's proven that. But maybe why he's become a journeyman in this league is because things get into his head. And that, you know, I, I know the Bears have a sports psychologist. If I was Cairo Santos, I would schedule a meeting for 9 a.m. on Monday. And you I don't know how often that happens. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to bury him for, you know, throwing the grass up in the air and saying, no, I don't think so. That, that could happen a lot more than we see. We only saw it. They, they caught it on the camera today. Uh, if we, if they didn't catch it on the camera, we would have not known anything about it. I don't know how often that actually happens, but uh, that being said, after missing an extra point and then from a, what was going to be a 48 yard field goal, whatever it was going to be correct to say, uh, -uh not going to happen. I, I don't know. I, I, you want, I, I, I don't, sometimes you want some blind confidence in there. It's like, you know what? I, I'll make it, whatever, yes, exactly. <laughs> whatever. And you may shank it 50 yards off. The wind was blowing. I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you, you're hoping that he's able to correct this. And I, and I believe, uh, as far as his contract goes, they they could get out from under it this year if they really would. They signed him to that three-year extension back in, uh, I think, last year. Uh, yes. But, uh, yeah, so uh, it would be uh, – It's only a $1 million cap hit. Yeah, $1.5 million cap hit next okay. year. So they uh, – at a dead cap at least. So they they it wouldn't be a huge – uh, hit to them if they wanted to move on from it. So I think that as we continue to talk about people who are auditioning for next year, is Cairo Santos in that conversation where it's just like, is he going to get a few more kicks this year? And if he potentially 
shanks a few more or misses more extra points, is this another position that they're going to have to address uh, in, in the offseason? Not to say that they're a kicker away from the Super Bowl like we thought in 2018, uh, but it could just be another, you know, added to the list. But, you know, we, we have a shopping list right now, and it's about it's about as long as a CBS receipt. So we're trying to figure out well, everything that they need. And so, like, you know what? Well, they throw a kicker on there too. <laughs> while, while we're while we're spending money, what's a, what's another kicker? Uh, so, that's so, I mean, I, I honestly, that's a, you think about everything they need. You're like, hell, what's a kicker? Throw it on top. What else? Exactly. <laughs> now, I'm with you on that. You know, another uh, name I don't want to lose this. Um, a couple of players, a few players, really, I want to talk about is today was a big day for David Montgomery because uh, Khalil Herbert will be back next year, and I think the majority of fans want David Montgomery back. In fact, I ran a poll on the Barroom Network's Twitter page, and that was the story. Uh, you know, almost 40%, a little over 40% said, bring him in at market value. Another 25, 30% said, bring him in, uh, bring him back at a little below market value. And the rest said, time to let him go. Today, he and, and Khalil Herbert is back next week, so he's probably going to lose a lot of touches but today, I think he made that case for I deserve to be back. Not at above market value. And if you can get him below market value, which is quite possible because there's so many free agent running backs available. He, this guy is just, he, he bleeds Chicago blue and orange. I mean, this he's the epitome, I think, of a Chicago Bear player. And I would love to see the Bears throw the ball more to him because when he they throw the ball to him, good things happen. I put up on Twitter today that he's been throwing the ball 35 times this season. There's only been five misconnections. And usually, I mean, I think the average per, per uh, pass play was like seven, eight yards that he gains, which is pretty damn good for a running mm-hmm. back. So I would love to see Montgomery back next season. But of course, you've got to be you've got to be strategic about this, particularly if you know if a Tony Pollard is available and he wants three million dollars less than Montgomery, then you know you gotta you gotta yeah. make that tough decision. What do you think about Montgomery? Yeah, I think polls is going to take a market approach to this. As so far, what we've seen, we can we can make the uh, hypothesis that he does not like to overpay for things. So mm-hmm. I think that he's going to let the market kind of sort itself out. But that is favorable for the Bears this year because if if it was just Montgomery and then a bunch of no namers, then his price skyrockets in free agency. But if you look at the potential free agents, you got Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, you go the hallway down to Miles Sanders, and uh, you know there. There's a, a Damien Harris is another name out there. So there's just a not. Uh, and then you, I think you mentioned Tony, Tony Pollard's in that group group mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so you just keep, you know, you have all those names that are going to drive the average down. So if Montgomery says, you know what, I don't even know if I want to test free agency. What do you got, Chicago? And, uh, and maybe maybe they extend him an offer. Or like you said, he does test free agency, but you know, Josh Jacobs says, you know what, I'll take two million less than that. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you got Josh Jacobs in Chicago and Montgomery's just waiting for the team to the right it, and it comes down to the player as well. And I'm not I'm not, I would never I would never hold it against a player for trying to get as much money as possible, specifically at, at running back. <laughs> Whenever your shelf life, you get, you maybe get one contract after your rookie mm-hmm. deal, and then that's about it. So uh, if he if if he says, you know what, I'm just going to keep testing out and see if I can get more. Maybe Ryan Poles is like, okay, then we need a running back now. We're going to go sign, but you know, 
I keep saying Josh Jacobs, maybe to Pollard or, you know, for, for whatever reason, Saquon Barkley decides to come to Chicago. Uh, but, uh, but his price will probably be higher than everybody else. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. But, uh, it's a timing and then market thing. So as much as I would love to see Montgomery back, I'm, I'm with you. I want to see him back in Chicago. Uh, I think that polls is going to say, what's the most financial efficient way to look at this and break for production versus value. And then if you're able to bring him back or sign somebody in free agency, that's one more position. You don't have to draft this year because they have a lot of positions. They got to draft this year. And I understand that you can draft a guy in the fourth, fifth round. And you, all of a sudden you got yourself like a Damian Pierce in Houston. And it's just like, Oh man, you're getting this guy for absolutely nothing. And he's balling out. That's mm-hmm. great. But whenever you need a lot of other positions to fill, that's, you know, I, I'd much see them go get another lineman, D lineman, you know, both sides of the ball need, you know, both, uh, both uh, lines need help. Uh, maybe uh, there's a, there's a, you know, maybe the, maybe you find a wide receiver that's, you know, not Bayless Jones in the third round, but it's just, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I would like to be able to say that Montgomery is going to be back next year, but I think that much like everything else with this Bears team, the unknown is what goes us right now because with it, so many things have to play out, and that's why I kind of I, I like what you said. Can I just wake up and it's the first day of free agency? Because <laughs> that's, <what, laughs> that's what that's what we're looking at right now. You know, it, it, there's there's no hope for this season. There hasn't been hope for this season. You know what? Just let it be. You know, free agency, so we can see what what this team's actually going to look like. Because right now, we're you know we're watching this team knowing full well it's not going to look anything like this in a couple mm-hmm. months. It's not going right. to that. This is not for better or worse. It's going to be very different next year. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's just it's that look like I want to know I want to know what it's going to look like but right not, but, but the one not. thing John is yeah. and I maybe I, I put too much into this is you know the players already the core players on this team are, are have already been kicked in the you know where because of the trading of Khalil Mack and and Quinn and Roquan Smith after a while, you know, those core players are going to go, really, these guys who are leading this team, they're not going to bring back a guy like David Montgomery, you know, who the even the owner of the team shouted him out after the season. I didn't get a yeah. shout out. This guy didn't get a yeah. shout out. David Montgomery got a shout out. And you're going to let him walk for a measly one or two million dollars. So I worry a little bit about, you know, the morale of the team. But I can't argue with anything you said about the fiscal. It's like a fiduciary responsibility mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Ryan Pulse's part to make the best decision available regarding a running back because there are there's you know it's it's a a buyer's market there. There's so many mm-hmm. guys, and so you just got to make that uh, good decision. J2K says um, three years at twenty million dollars plus incentives is his guess for. Monty, if that's the deal, I would sign yeah. him right away. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I like I like that deal. And let's hope that if the money is close between Montgomery and one of these other free agents, that they would lean to bring Montgomery back. Because I think that there is some substance to what you said. Now, we're talking about you don't want to you don't the, the the core players are going to be shrugging. Who are the core players right now? And is it, we're, we're talking about. <laughs> Justin Fields, Justin Fields and Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, <laughs> like like what? Who are who are we? Who are we afraid about pissing off right now? Like like I I understand Jalen Johnson. I had a phenomenal game today. By the way, I think that he's playing himself. He needs to be a cornerstone on this team for a while. Uh, cornerstone for you know lack of a better term. But anyway, uh, I, I I but I, we're talking like there is no 
there are no eight-year vets really on this team that you're afraid of, like st- you know, stepping on their toes. Eddie Jackson is the most tenured one on the defense right now. I, I from if I, if I'm off the top of my head, I, yeah, I don't know. I think you're so, right. Yes. Okay, so Eddie Jackson, and then on offense, who's the most tenured player there? Is Montgomery? Yeah. Or uh, Cody Whitehair, maybe. Is, Cody, is that a, are, you, are you afraid about pissing off Cody Whitehair? Like, yeah. I, I don't think he might not even be on the team next year. So, <laughs> Especially so, after today. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I, the, the morale, what morale? They, 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 the only half their team is under contract next year. So, I, so I, I get that if you had a strong core of players that have been together for a while, like maybe like the, you know, like in Seattle, whenever they had that core group of guys in the defense there for a long time and they started chipping away at it, they're like, okay, we lost another one we lost another one lost another one then i then i get that but they they got rid of everyone and maybe that was ryan poles's uh you know philosophy you can't piss them off if they're gone so you just you just you just trade everything you got so uh i i like but to get back to the original point if the money is close i would hope that they would lean towards montgomery because not just because of what he brings as far as leadership because i think that's a real thing but also he doesn't get to get he doesn't got to get acclimated with the system he knows justin fields he's already built chemistry with some of the whoever's coming back next year on offense he'll at least be there now uh with you know mainly that's a justin fields thing but uh they, but he already knows the offensive system as well so i would hope that they would lean towards bringing him back if the money's close. And I don't know if Montgomery's going to be the guy that says, no, I need, you know, 10 million a year. I don't know if he's that guy. I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's what he's going to be commanding, given the fact that we just talked about all those free agents that are in the, uh, that are in the uh, the free agent class. So mm-hmm. once again, one of those things that we don't know, we, we yeah. just, we simply don't know if he's going to be back. The other guy, uh, one of the other guys that I want to talk about is Jalen Johnson, Mm -hmm. because, you know, Jalen is an important part of this defense in a league where now cornerbacks, the value of cornerbacks has surpassed that of linebackers Mm -hmm. because it is such a passing league. We need Jalen Johnson to become a stud cornerback. And today, for three quarters, I thought he looked like a stud. He got burned finally late in the game. Uh, and, and throughout the game, you know, he was giving up some yardage. But he's going up against A.J. Brown, and he and, and Jalen Hurts have a connection like, you know, um, ham and cheese. I mean, those yeah. guys work really well together. They, they're close friends and stuff. So this was a tall task for Jalen. And while the – the, the stats don't say it was an exemplary uh, performance. I thought he did play an exemplary way. He had a lot of uh, passes defensed, and he played with, with great heart. Jalen is a guy that uh, I, I hope his trajectory continues to go up. And, by the way, Kyler Gordon. Mm-hmm. Both of those starting cornerbacks had good games today against a – Eagles passing attack that is is loaded with talent. Yeah, and I think that you know you're not going to see a lot of it in the stat book, but I thought Jalen Johnson had a great day. Look, the the rules are slanted so far to the offense that it, whenever a cornerback has a has a uh, performance like that, it's a great performance. You're going to get burned every once in a while. Jalen Ramsey gets burnt once in a while. Some of the best cornerbacks in history will get burnt every once in a while. I think that Jalen Johnson is is crucial moving forward to this team, not just because of his skill set, but because he is going to be that leader to uh, to to Kyler Gordon and the rest of the cornerback room, where they're looking up and say, hey, "That's the guy. That's the guy," and we're aspiring to be on his level and 
uh, you know, next year, that's the, that's the last year of his contract. So you're wondering if they're going to try to figure out an extension maybe before uh, the, before the start of the season. I don't know when they can start doing all that negotiating stuff. I, I, I need to really brush up on some of that technical stuff. But I believe they can probably offer him an extension this offseason. They could probably. Absolutely. Try, so they, they can, can try to. Now. Yeah. So uh, he's he's due. I mean, right next year, he's what making two million bucks off of his rookie contract. So probably uh, hopefully, hopefully they can get something together because I think he's still only what, 24 He's super young. Yes. Uh, he's uh, he's twenty three. He's twenty three in wow. two hundred and forty nine days. So he's been in the. He's going to be in the league. This is his third year in the league, and he's still only twenty three years old. You got He's not. It's not like he's an old guy who's going to be losing his physical ability anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's a guy that you should lock up. He can be your cornerback one. He stayed. He's st- given. He did have some injury concerns coming out of college, but for the most part, he has been in the game he has missed some time but for the most part he's been relatively durable plus you're hoping kyler gordon turns into that strong number two and then you see you see uh you know johnson was at number two back in 2018 to kyle fuller johnson has assumed that role as number one you're hoping that kyler gordon can take over that lockdown lockdown number two so to speak uh and, and then you have a you have two really strong foundational pieces in your defense along with eddie jackson jaquan brisker as your safeties uh mm-hmm. so though so the front seven i think is what needs the most at work but in order to keep it that way you gotta lock up what what is working right now and i think jalen johnson if they're gonna extend anyone because they haven't extended anybody yet they've, been, right. they've just been trading everybody away so if you're gonna if you're gonna extend a guy how about your 23 year old cornerback who just put on that display against aj brown against the eagles yeah totally totally agree with that i mean you know some general managers don't like the holdovers from the previous regime and i hope that's not entering ryan poses uh mind that he's just judging based on pure play and uh frankly you know you want to have multiple really good cornerbacks in today's nfl and so you've got two promising ones and kyler gordon and jalen johnson and now you know and and this undrafted free agent kid jalen jones has played really well you know overall the defense today goodness sake man you know to hold this eagles high powering offense you look at the eagles and with the points that they've put up over the last three four games i mean they were scoring in the 30s and had a couple of games in the 40s and so for this defense to come out and play the way they did i'm going to really look forward to watching the all 22 and, and play particular attention to what was going on with this bears front seven because they have perhaps their best game of the season mm-hmm. um and so Maybe some of these guys are salvageable after, uh, you know, I was saying that the, everyone in the front line uh, should be replaced. Maybe, you know, I, I said before that Justin Jones, a defensive tackle, probably should be kept because he can play up and down the line. That's one of the reasons Poles and Eberflus really wanted to sign him because he can play the three tech. Mm-hmm. He can play the five. He can play wherever ever is needed on defensive line. But it seemed like uh, – and I got to tell you, you know, one of the uh, Bears scouts once said this in an interview. He said that if you're if you're watching a game and you can co- and you think you can comment about every player on the field immediately after the game, then you really weren't watching the game mm-hmm. because there's so many things going right. on. And so I can't really comment uh, with any uh, great uh, expertise on what was going on at that line of scrimmage, particularly from a defensive standpoint. But I'm anxious to take a look at it and talk about it during the week. 
here in the barroom network because that was an impressive uh, performance by the Bears defense. And and my heart just goes out to Jack Sanborn. I hope it's not yeah. a serious injury and that he's back in a week or two and so he can finish the season as, as as he deserves to be as a, you know, who knows, maybe a candidate for rookie of the year or, or he was on his way to becoming a candidate for rookie of the month. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, I think, and just as, like I said, like and like you said, we don't know anything until you go back and actually look at what happened throughout the game. It appeared like they were blitzing a lot more than they normally do uh, today. And how much of that, you know, is that, you know, uh, Eberflus stepping in? Because let's not forget that Eberflus and Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, both were in Indianapolis. They know each other pretty well. So maybe maybe Eberflus is saying, I know this system. We got to get pressure and we got to blitz more. Uh, and so, you know, is, is, and as much as they, and we see, yeah, they gave up 25 points, but they've been averaging giving up the 34 for the last month. So that's right. nine, nine less than what they have been given. And so. what Jay has to understand is, is that the bears had two interceptions that the bears offense did nothing, nothing with, and there was a turnover and downs by the Eagles defense and the bears offense did nothing with that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's it's. I forgot what that saying is, where one thing can kind of impact something else. Uh, but that's 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 the key part here when you're evaluating Jay. The, the performance on the defense, they did give up 25 points, but they got no help at all from their offense when they made big plays and gave the ball back to the offense. So uh, let's not let's not crap on the defense too much. Well, I, I think that this was one of the, well. The bar is set incredibly low, but this was probably one of their better performances in the in the last in the in the last month or so. Uh, but I, I I think that there was a familiarity with the system there, and I think that Eberflus stepped in with the Allen Williams and say, "Hey, we're not going to just try to get pressure with the front four this week. It ain't going to work." <laughs> and so we got we got we got to send some more people at it. And you know what? And I think I think uh, Eberflus may have said it in his post game press conference that if you know if Brisker hits the right gap or maybe the D tackle took the wrong gap, I don't know. Whatever. If that would have worked out on that on that run, mm-hmm. then they, they would have blown that play would have been blown up. Like there there he would have been it would have been a straightaway rush to the quarterback and it would have worked out well. The problem was they didn't execute it the right way. So whether that's on the D tackle or whether that's on the safety, I don't know. But had they actually if they executed that the way that it was supposed to be I, that's certainly not a touchdown and you may have had a big play on defense so uh it's little and like i've been saying all all year the margin for error for a team like the chicago bears is so razor thin because you're never going to have a talent advantage this year uh very mm-hmm. i mean maybe against the texans but like it, it, but at the same time 90% of your games, you're going to be at a deficiency at talent across the board. So you have to play mistake-free football all four quarters. And we saw that, you, that they, they aren't capable of doing that, especially especially against a team like Philadelphia. They can, they can, mm-hmm. It has shown that they can, uh, they're one of the best in the league. So um, Here's another just- thing about that defense is the last three games, the Eagles have averaged 227 yards rushing the ball. You know how much they had today? It was 112 yards. They held them to more than half of the amount of uh, rushing yards that the Eagles had gained over the last three yards. And the Eagles overall for the season are number three at rushing the ball uh, just behind the Bears. And and I I forgot the other team. But that is another testament to how well this defense played today. There were, of course, blemishes. And you mentioned, John, that they were blitzing more today. My goodness, I love 
to have an aggressive defense. But when they call that blitz on third and eight and they left the middle of the field wide open for Justin Fields to, excuse me, Jalen Hurts to go behind the center and the left guard and score that touchdown, I mean, he, he could have walked in. I don't know who designed that blitz against that quarterback, but they should be slapped in the wrist because that was not a good, well-designed uh, uh, blitz for that situation. And mm. so it's Williams that makes those calls. He, uh, he he he's probably kicking himself for that because at every press conference he's he's pretty genuine about stuff like that. I have to do a better job of uh, making the right calls and mm-hmm. so forth. I think he's going to say that again this week. <laughs> yeah, because once again the margin for error is so th- slim on something like that. It's a, it's a home run swing when all you need is a single for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and listen, like I love the aggressive defense too, and I think that it, I think. If they would have executed that properly, it, it may have it may have worked out differently. I'm going to stick to that opinion. That could be completely wrong. However, the play call to begin with is it is you know really rolling the dice. And you know what? Maybe when you're three and ten, you're like you know what? Screw it. Let's see what we can do. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's let, let's try the. You know what? We're going to maybe incorporate this into an end of next year's game plan. Let's see how it works against it right here. Now maybe that's not the right time to do it. Whenever it's third and long and they're you're trying to keep them to a field goal. Uh, but the, yeah, that but. Uh, I mean, and I'm most likely grasping at straws over this, but <laughs> I, I think that uh, they, they were, I think they were more aggressive today, at least on the defensive side of the ball. A um, couple of the, a uh, couple of the third down calls, I was a, I was a little skeptical of, and some of the ones that are right off the top of my head was uh, they tried that that out pass on third and one when I'm thinking yeah. just run the ball. Yes. Uh, it was like third and. 10 11 whatever it was and they did that mm-hmm. short pass to Cole Komet and like well, let's mm-hmm. at least let's at least try to get to the sticks <laughs> yes. yeah let's yes. try to get to the sticks at least on third down they didn't do that yeah you're talking about the third and one play and they mm-hmm. have Justin Fields on a long drop so he's gonna he's you know like a five or seven step drop because they had him under center and mm-hmm. it's third and one please mm-hmm this whatever happened to power football guys you know uh and, and again i hate to you know i hate to criticize luke getsy's play calling because perhaps they saw something on tape that the eagles sometimes on those short yardage situations give up big explosive plays perhaps that's the case but man i just that when that play happened i was swearing at the tv screen just Call a not a quarterback sneak, but mm-hmm. give it to David give Montgomery, it. who's so good at breaking tackles. But that, yeah, Luke, uh, it seems to me, I said this at the halftime show, John, it seems to me like Luke Getzey has gotten, is getting a little under the table bonuses for making bad play calls. <laughs> we can get that high traffic that everyone, yeah. everyone in the chat room is already doing their fantasy drafts here in the chat room. Since October, it. I've been doing mock drafts. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, Laz, I think, has a question for you. He says, John, thoughts on the offensive line coaching? White hair was the most veteran. The, the most veteran can't identify a stunt yeah. on his own blocking. Uh, much like, and listen, I don't know if I if I knew the exact answer, I I'd, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Although I'd be I'd be somewhere coaching, but <laughs> but I think that much like everything else with the Chicago Bears offense, it's a it's a mixture of a lot of things. I, Chris Morgan, the coach, has dealt with a bunch of guys who were 
maybe probably not going to be on the team next year, or at least they're not going to be starters next year. And plus, you have injuries, and you're moving guys in, you're taking them out. Who's in? You know, you must have heard center. Lucas Patrick going to play? No, now he's on IR again. And then, oh, we're going to put Alex Leatherwood in. And oh, no, Schofield's in now, and Devin Jenkins gets hurt. And I just think whenever there's just so much, and I think the biggest thing for an offensive line is cohesiveness. And whenever you're just, you know, just moving things in and out, uh, it, it's very difficult. And I think that it's, I hate to blame coaches when you can see the sheer deficiency of talent there. Now there are great coaches that can get a lot out of guys who are, who shouldn't be playing at a high level. There are plenty of coaches that can bring out the best in mm-hmm. some of the mid range players. Uh, but sometimes it's just, you, you, it is what it is. Uh, and so it's just, it's, I don't know who to blame. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I knew who to blame. I, yeah. I, I just, I, I'm not going to just blindly yell at somebody, even though I'm not really sure the answer. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, it's, it's always hard to be critical when we're not, we don't know the game plan. We don't know how these guys were taught and so forth, but it's clear that on a player to uh, Cody Whitehair mm-hmm. just bungled it, you know, picking up that, that, that stunt, uh, that led uh, that he failed to pick up that stunt that led to a sack of Justin Fields. That clearly looked like it was on Cody White here. He did not have his best game today, and it's uh, ironic because this week when I was doing mock draft number thirty-four and thirty-five and thirty-six, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to try to not focus so much on offensive linemen because perhaps. You know, Greg Gabriel, who's been saying for the last few weeks, we really need one good offensive lineman. Oh, here comes Justin Fields to the podium. Stand right, by. Let's I, can, I can try. Oh, well, there he is. I just got out clean, and, of course, it was like second and 27, so I was just trying to get the first down, and then got the first down. And you know, there was about the thousand the yards. Coach, so, of course, just try to get in, get into the end zone and, you know, hope. I, I, I just wish I had a step out of bounds, but, yeah. Nah, you know, I mean, I was celebrating, spiking the ball. I mean, I'm tired, so uh, I didn't. I, I, I had no idea. Just on the touchdown pass to David, can you take us just through that play? And yeah. So, um, yeah, we just had a you know a quick cadence on that. So, boom, everybody lined up with the ball, uh, snapped the ball quick, and they brought cover zero on that. And you know, usually when they when we get up on the line like that and snap the ball, they don't have time to communicate. You know, who's got the back? So I just dropped the back cover zero, and you know, he was wide open. Of course. It was, it was really a perfect play call by Luke. So, uh, yeah, just, 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 just props to him. No, nah, I mean, if I would have saw it, I, I wouldn't thrown it. So, nah, I didn't see it. Third and ten. Yeah, there was a backer right there. It was, it was special trash. There was a backer right there, and um, and I was getting pressure. So, uh, you know, if I had more time, and you know, he's faster than pretty much every linebacker in the league, and he. And, he, he probably would have, you know, outflanked him. So I uh, didn't have time. And that, I think that was when I got sacked on, right? Is, is that the one you're talking about, or is it a different one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. But if, if we're talking about the same play, um, yeah, I mean, I was just waiting for him to, you know, get past that linebacker. And, uh, I mean, there was nobody over there. So, uh, you know, at that point, I was just trying to get, get to my back, and then I got sacked. So, yeah. Justin, back to the cramping just for a second. Because it happened just a few weeks ago, what, what do you sense that you need to do to make sure that it doesn't become a recurring thing? I just have to get an IV before every game. Um, I didn't get one today because I thought the weather, you know, I wouldn't need one. But I'm still exerting energy, so, you know, still using my body. So from now on, I'm just going to have to get an IV. Was, it, was that frustrating for you, just given where that, that moment was in the, in the game against I mean, the Yeah, but it is what it is. Um, I'd rather be cramped than it be a, a serious injury, so. 
and you're down to like 40 of your top six receivers. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to throw two others out there, but what is the challenge of, uh, of going that deep into the depth that you have? I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging for sure, um, you know. So the, I think the main thing with that, with that is just, you know, everybody being prepared, everybody knowing the game plan, um, you know, and just 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 everybody being on on top of their stuff. So, yeah. Your receivers being banged up for a lot of the year, and it was cool. Do you ever wonder what it would look like if everybody was healthy? I mean, yeah, you can wonder all you want, but the reality is that we don't. So just got to play with who you have out there, and, you know, we got to just, you know, everybody, like I said before, everybody's got to be prepared and be uh, ready to play. Joining the Thousand Yard Club, Vic and Lamar there. I mean, what does it mean to join that company? And then is this something you want to set your sights on doing every year? No, sir. Not. I don't plan on rushing for a thousand yards every year. But um, well, yeah, like I said before, um, it's an honor, um, and you know, it's a blessing from God. And like I said, I couldn't do it without my coaches and teammates. Why not choose the Pacific I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 already deep in it this year, so so so, so might as well just you know try to go get that record. I think I need what two oh six. So three games left. That's about what 70, 70 yards a game. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. Let's see. Did you know in game that you hit it? In the game yeah. that I hit a thousand? Yeah, I I knew because they announced it on the big board and stuff like that. You had no picks today against what I believe it's the top interception team in the league. Was there extra emphasis this week about protecting the football? And what does that mean for your development? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the uh, emphasis for the offense is, you know, uh, no takeaways and the defense getting plus two. So, um, you know, that's that's always our goal is to, you know, not turn the ball over. But, yeah, of course, you know, you want to go into a game, never want to turn the ball over. So, um, but, of course, they had a great D-line out there. So, uh, I think the biggest thing, like when we do play a, such a force at D-line, it's just uh, maybe one, two reads, find a check down to – run because I mean you're you're not going to have all day you know with the the line that they do have so um yeah Justin, it was important um you know every time I get a chance to play I'm going to you know, want to be out there with my guys I know they fight and like I said before they're the only reason I play so I play for them and and God and really nobody else so yeah you said they don't want to do this do the fast start thing every year is that just because you view Scrambling is kind of a necessity this year that, that doesn't necessarily define you as a quarterback. Going yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, I'm going to improvise and try to, you know, do whatever I can to put as much sports on the board as, you know, as, as possible. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't plan to. So I don't plan to rush for a thousand yards every year. So, um, yeah. Justin, as tough as a seven game skid is. Do you look at the Eagles at all and say, see that their progression is something you guys? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, something. I have no idea. I'm wondering too. Their progression. You know, Jalen coming in to 2020 and now where they are and potentially if they're adding pieces around. Them. Yeah, I mean, I, I really try not to compare, you know, myself, uh, my team versus, versus others because, you know, every situation is different. Um, so it's it's – I really never compare myself because, you know, I'm in a different situation. We're, we're all in a different situation. So, um, you know, you just don't try to compare. I think you just got to focus on yourself. You know, what can you do better? And, you know, what can we do better as a team and, of course, as an offense? How about this? What gives you the optimism that you guys could ascend? What, could... what gives me the optimism yeah. that we could ascend? What, what maybe allows you to think that two year, next year, two years from now, you guys could be 
mean, I think we're going to, you know, keep getting better. Um, you know, for me, you know, I've been in the league for two years. You know, I've learned two offenses in two years. So I think the more I get comfortable with this offense, you know, I think we're just going to keep getting better as an offense, keep getting better as a team. So, yeah. Going back to being the plus two turnover margin, what did your defense, what did you see out of your defense? They gave you a couple of extra possessions. Yeah. Can you speak to their effort? They did a great job. I told them after the game, you know, they, they did a great job. And, you know, big shout out to them. Um, and, you know, Coach preaches that, you know, every day of the week. So, um, you know, of course, Kyler with the pick, uh, that was huge. And DHC with his pick and then Kyler with the fumble recovery. I mean, it was huge. And anytime we can get those takeaways, you know, it's going to be great for our offense, you know, create short fields. So it was definitely huge for our offense. It, it, looked, it, looked, like, more, it looked like the you guys dealt with a few deep shots, but because of the coverage and passers, you just weren't able to, to connect on them. Mm-hmm. Are you still waiting and hoping to have that game where you're just firing it all over the field? Like, it seems like you guys are trying to get there. you something at something. I mean, yeah. Uh, but, you know, nowadays in the league, you know, most defenses, they try to prevent the big play. They just want you to, you know, take the underneath stuff and, you know, drive the ball down the field. So, um, but, you know, when those deep shots, uh, when those ops do come, you just have to take advantage of those and, you know, complete them. So, um, I mean, of course, we're always looking for an explosive play, but, you know, that you know that defense, they they did a great great job taking them away. So um, you know, just got to drive the ball down the field and just take completions and you know just move the ball down the field. Did you see what happened on the play where Tevin Jenkins got hurt? If so, what what did you see? I didn't see anything. Um, I saw after the play like he was crawling on the ground and you know, you know Tevin's a tough guy. So when he's crawling on the ground like that, you know, I I knew he was hurt instantly. But um, yeah, I, I didn't see what happened. But of course, I'm gonna be praying for him and you know, hope he's okay. Justin, Matt, Matt talked about like. Uh, building championship habits is kind of one of the goals down the stretch here. Kind of with that in mind, big picture, like how do you see this team playing right now down the stretch in today, keeping it close against the Eagles? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we do that every day. Um, you know, you know, no matter what our record is, the coaches come in the same every day, the players come in the same every day, and, you know, we work. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of all we know. So, you know, no matter, you know, what our record is, um, you know, what's in the past, we come – and every day and show up and we show up every day to get better. So as long as we do that, you know, we'll we'll get better. And like I said, those 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 ones are gonna start coming for sure. So you were the Eagles last week to play against the Eagles defense. What impressed you about their front today actually seeing them live? I mean, yeah, they're big, strong, fast. Um, you know, they have a you know, they're deep too. Like they have, you know, guys coming in rotating and you know, they have vets, so uh you know, they do a great job rotating those guys, keeping them fresh and you know, that's that's that makes it easier on them when they come in. You know, only playing, you know, two drives every four plays or two plays every four plays, two plays every five plays. So, great point. You know, they're staying fresh. And, of course, you know, I think they did a great job, you know, uh, putting pressure on me today. And, you know, their, their, their defense did a pretty good job. But you know, I think our O-line held up pretty good, too. So, um, you know, just got to um, – I mean, yeah, I give, give, give credit to them for sure. Thanks, Appreciate you guys. I love that guy. Yeah, he's gotten uh... – the, his the way he handles himself and pressers through as it's evolved throughout the season has gotten. I think that he's, he's much more polished and understands things. Way uh, I don't want to say understands things, but it's just the way that he, like I think he's handling himself after losses has just been uh, very encouraging. Would you not say? Mm-hmm. I, I totally totally agree. This guy is showing all. You know, his teammates love him first mm-hmm. and foremost. The coaching staff. Where's that coming from? Hold on. All right. I found it. (laughs) Sometimes things pop up. Um, 
but his his coaches are always saying great things about him. His teammates love him. We're seeing an improvement in his communication skills or or just his openness, you know, because he he would be a little, you know, sullen after games and so forth. And he's I don't know if he's realized this himself or the communications department said, you know, you got to go out there and give people confidence and so forth, uh, be a little bit more, you know, positive about stuff. And and I'm, I'm totally in on this guy. This mm-hmm. guy to me is, is a star. And I bet you that all those madmen on medicine, Madison Avenue are starting to like him too. He might take over for Aaron Rodgers with the state farm commercials. Wouldn't that be a blessing? So I don't have to see that guy anymore. And we're going to see him a, a lot on national uh, television commercials. You watch. Yeah. And, and I think that, listen, I know that it, everyone it's, they're talking about how, you know, you don't want to mess up Justin Fields this year. You gave him no weapons. The offensive line is terrible. And that's true. <laughs> that's not, that, that's not, it's not, uh, you know, uh, it's not fiction. Uh, but if he's able to navigate this year, come out of it healthy, doesn't seem like he's getting too gun shy about things or whatever. Like, so if they're able to put a line in front of him and get him some real legitimate NFL weapons to his disposal. Imagine what he can do then because he was, he's, he's trying to make it work with this unit this year. And it's like, uh, uh, how do I compare it? I don't, we had this training thing in, in high school basketball where we had to, we had to shoot this basketball that was the size of a beach ball. It was huge, absolutely huge. It barely fit in the hoop, but you would shoot at that. And if you, and if you made it, it's because you made a perfect shot and it landed right in there. Then you pick up a normal basketball and like, holy crap, it's like throwing a baseball. And yeah, it's going to be a lot easier. So you start making it. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. And then, <laughs> so I'm thinking like the, with Justin Fields, well, if I can make it work, if I can try to make things work with the, you know, Equinemius St. Brown and Nikhil Harry and Dante Pettis and, you you know, all those guys, what happens if I get a, you know, a legit number one receiver and, and, or what if I do have more than two seconds back there to throw one second back there to throw, what could happen? So I'm trying to stay optimistic about the, 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 the prospects that are going to be around Justin Fields, but I, I, I'm so I've been sold on this kid for a long time. I I'm, I've never been of the ilk that, Oh my God, they got to go draft another one this year. <laughs> That's, I've never been on that. I it, I think that he's the guy. Uh, and once you are able to get something around him, he can, he can be totally special. Mm-hmm. Steven says fields knows the end is near and that 90% of the team and being the end of this season and that 90% of the teammates are gone in the off season since they have no talent and the same drive and desire to win like he does. And I have to agree for the most part with Steven. I think he, you know, Justin probably does look at the talent level. He's probably had talks. You know, I, I hope that he's had talks with Ryan Poles and that they've, you know, and that Ryan has been uh, not 100% transparent because Ryan Poles should not be talking negatively about the, some of the players on the roster, but that he has set the vision for Justin Fields about what's going to happen in 2023 with all of the resources that the team has and, and maybe even told him, Hey, you know, don't expect Super Bowl in 2023. We're, we're going to fight for a Super Bowl, but still it's probably going to take two years of player acquisitions to get the cast around you to be, to become a top NFL offense a la the Kansas City Chiefs, a la, you know, name any other great offense in the NFL, because that is going to take a couple of years of building, particularly when you study 
what's available in the draft, what's available in free agency. And I, I, I put up in the chat room, you know, there, there aren't tons of, you know, really uh, jaw-dropping wide receivers in this draft. There are, there are some quality guys, some guys that could step up. I was doing some studying on, on one particular wide receiver whose name now escapes me. But this guy uh, from the University of Washington, but this guy hasn't committed to the draft. He's a second-round quality guy, 6'2", runs a 4'4", but he hasn't committed to the draft, so we don't know. So, it, it, you know, how about if the Bears were to draft Notre Dame tight end Mike Mayer and we go with a pr- primarily two tight end attack with Cole Komet and Mayer and then, you know, uh, Chase Claypool and hopefully Darnell Mooney is back. Now you're, see- you're seeing a different style offense for the Chicago Bears and one that could really be suitable for Justin Fields. Plus, you also remain as a top end NFL rushing offense mm. number one in the league uh, this season will end the season as number one and there's no reason why they can't be number one again next season and I wouldn't mind them going exploring that tight end position in free agency as well I think Mike Gesicki is a free agent going into next year I, that's a guy that I would like to see on the Bears roster can really get vertical can open things up down the middle but just, we, we keep talking about how there's nothing at the wide receiver and some of the people in the chat room are talking uh, about the potential wide receiver uh, the free agent wide receivers and I just brought the list up again and it's 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 bad I mean I think McCall uh Michael Hardman's probably at the top then Nelson Aguilar Sterling Shepard DJ Shark Randall Cobb Marvin Jones uh Julio Jones Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Green. Like this is it. Like that's that's what we're looking at right now. Yep. Paris Campbell, uh, yep. James Washington, uh, Philip Dorsett. Like what are we talking about here? Like the, you're going to hey, go hey, out. John and- uh, Ryan Post looked at that list, which is why he made that trade for Chase Claypool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you like you're not going to go out and just spend money. Money wasn't going to fix this one because there's there's, there's nothing available. It's like you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna get uh you 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 need it. You really want you know uh, uh filet mignon. You're not gonna go shop at McDonald's for it. It's just like that's that's what you're looking at right now. So I think that uh they they could still go wide receiver in the draft if they feel like there's someone that really fits the scheme well. Uh, but uh, I think that you're gonna. I think like you said. Um, there could be there could be some opportunities to at tight end as well. Now I don't know how high of a draft pick they're going to use for that, uh, but it's certainly not going to be. They're certainly not going to go the free agent route for for wide receivers. Um, looking at the tight end uh, free agents, uh, Mike Kosicki's at the top. Dalton Schultz, who you know is flashing in, in Dallas. Okay. Evan Evan Ingram would probably be a very you know low risk high reward kind of guy. Uh, Robert Tunyon from the uh, the Packers. Hayden Hurst. Uh, I don't even know if Mercedes Lewis is going to keep uh, playing. He's like 95 years old, but like, <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. So, but they, I mean, there there are some you know guys that can get vertical on there. Uh, the, the Tyler Croft is on there. I'm not saying these guys are going to be you know game busters, but there are some viable options uh, that that you could get potentially at the at the uh, free agent position at tight end. So, uh, I like that. Like it's the recurring theme that I say on every show, whether it's this show or my show or any other show that I go on. It's like there's so much unknown right now that it's just like we're just we're just we're we're just hypothesizing about everything because we have no idea what are they going to do with the offensive line what are they going to do with wide receiver what are they going to do with the defensive line what are they going to do with the linebackers like is it we we just don't know 
any of this right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what and that's what's frustrating because there's still three weeks left of this season that we have to talk about. And they have to go and and uh by by the way, everyone's gonna have a great holiday whenever they play the Bills on Christmas Eve. That's gonna be neat. That's gonna that's gonna yeah, maybe people are gonna dip into the eggnog pretty early that day because they're gonna, gonna play. I think they play, I think they play the early game on Christmas Eve. So yes, yes. Uh, that uh that should be a good one. And then uh then Detroit after that, and then Minnesota. Those are the last three games. Could, those games could mean something to Detroit and to Minnesota. So uh, Bears potentially have um, have the could be playing the role of Grinch for some of these teams. Maybe they could keep Detroit from making the playoffs, or could they could screw up the playoff seating for Minnesota? But uh, who, who's to say? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's we got to get through the last three weeks. All <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, by the way, I just saw that. Uh, chat comment so i'm i'm going over to a website to confirm it i have the bears now moved up to number two yes they have all right (laughs) we got a roof something yeah i say little little victories all right cool Uh, which uh, that's great but (laughs) now 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 if you listen you got that number two spot. All of a sudden, you got a very tradable pick because someone could move. Somebody wants a quarterback. They may they may go uh, they may give you a king's ransom for that, and you could still get a guy that's going to be a starter, a non quarterback starter that's going to help your team immediately by trading back. Depends on what number you trade back to, which also would be relative to the amount of picks that you're bringing in. Because if you go from like two to eleven or two to twelve, you better be getting multiple first round picks. Now, if you're mm-hmm. if you're just a team that's moving up a few slots, who's to say? But uh, that 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 number two is a very coveted spot because a lot, a lot of people like to trade up to that spot to make sure they get ahead of, of everybody else to get that second quarterback. Because I think mm-hmm. the, if the Texans hold on to that number one spot, which they will, uh, they they're, uh, they 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 know what quarterback they're taking. So it's it's so very they, Right. So uh, it's then who if you if you covet Will Levis or you you cover whoever else you want to go up to get up to go up and get then uh, then you, you're going to trade with the Bears because then you don't have to worry about anybody else taking your taking your pick. So mm-hmm. we'll see if they stay at that number. If they lose out, then yeah, then they're there. Yep. <laughs> and and I got to we got to revamp the opening to my show then. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that right today. <laughs> yeah, because I think somewhere there's the Bears are not a three win team. Well, <laughs> listen, I will I will absolutely eat crow when I have to. Listen, I, and the fact here's here's what kills me when people call me out for being wrong about something. Like this is more of an indictment on you than it is me because I'm. <laughs> wrong about everything <laughs> where where have you been the last six years i'm wrong about i'm wrong about 80 percent of the things that i say and you're just now catching on this says a lot more about you than it does about me, so. I, that is funny i'll tell you one thing it's it's i'm glad that we're laughing you know it was demoralizing i felt terrible uh throughout the game I really wanted them to upset the Eagles because they have the best one loss record. I really wanted this win. And, but we're able to, to look at this now from a macro level. And if, if Ryan Poles can really get the job done during this off season, and we're going to be covering it like a blanket here on Barroom network with draft on tap, John's going to be on some specials uh, with us and Greg Gabriel and on and on. We're going to be covering it like a like a blanket. And so if Ryan Poles can make that change in this team to bring in some playmakers and to bring in guys that are going to protect probably the best playmaker in football right now, Justin Fields, then we could see a monumental improvement on this team. I'm not saying it's going to be a Super Bowl in 2023, but I'm saying that all of a sudden, you know, it's a plus one loss record, and then uh, things get even better the the following season. So, 
Yeah, in the hunt. Can you believe that? They, they could, they could, they could have their, they could have their logo on that dumb graphic where it's just like clinched and in the hunt. We're all, we always love to be in the hunt. Yeah. Listen, if they're in the hunt in the last week, that's a hell of an improvement from this year. Whenever they were eliminated, what it it, it, by Halloween they were out. So Mm -hmm. so I'll say, like like I said this week, I want to see a, I want to see a pretty big improvement next year. And I'm not saying they need to you know, be the number one seed next year. But I'm, I'm, I've kind of, I've put my emotions on forbearance. Like I've done with most of my student loans in my life, everything <laughs> forbearance, where it's just like, I'll pay off the emotional distress later because I'm willing to give this year a pass. Cause it was a complete teardown. And, you know, we knew that this was going to be rough with some of the players there. There was going to be a deficiencies in a lot of places. I'm willing to let this season go, which I normally don't do, mm-hmm. but next year, I need to see something because I'm harboring a lot of internal emotional distress. So I need to, I need to be able to see it next year. I, I just on a personal note, John, um, this has been the, the six years that we've been working together. This has been the strangest John Buffon season of all time oh, yeah. because you've been so much more sedate despite the terrible one loss record. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. I, well, I think you get it. You know, you yeah. get it. It's a rebuild. So, because yeah, <laughs> last year I was irate because I wanted, I, I didn't want the coaching staff or I didn't want them back to begin with after mm-hmm. that ridiculous press conference after the 2020 season. And, you know, the, I, the regime I thought was just, they were running things into the ground it was going to be and it was it was just staving off the inevitable for another year and i thought like oh why are we kicking the can down the road for another year whenever we know this is not going to work and so that's what was frustrating to me because i'm like these we need to do this now we should have done this two years ago yep. uh, and so that's why i was i was angry i'm willing in this first year to let it go and just be like okay but next year if we're three and eleven talking at this time the exact same time i I, I, it's just, it's not going to be this. It's not, yep. it, it ain't going to be me just talking monotone. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot more hellfire and brimstone because yep. I, because like I said last year, I was pissed off last year. It was a waste of a season. Actually, barely someone just said that it was a waste of a season. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we, we basically just put it off to this year. And just like we do with all the contracts, we put all those void years in and we're still paying for the sins of the past regime. So let that be the, let that wash this year and let's move on. Let's move on to 2023. Indeed. Well, this is uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, what 90 minutes have been therapeutic for me. I hope yeah. for other Bears fans, too. And I just want to let people know that tomorrow, Greg Gabriel and I are probably going to go live immediately after um, uh, Matt Eberflus's press conference, because we want to comment on the latest with the injuries. Now, Eberflus is not going to reveal much, but if there is a season ending injury to any of these guys, and I suspect there will be he probably will announce that tomorrow so we want to have that handy and discuss that plus uh uh, uh greg has also been start he started the process of talking about some of the free agents and and draft picks that could be available and help the bears immediately so we'll go through that and of course t- discuss this game i bet you i haven't talked to greg or interacted with him at all today but i got a feeling that he's going to be proud of the effort that this Bears team gave. And, you know, when you look at, John, when you look at the the players that were out there on defense, you know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of these guys are second and third stringers. These guys have bought into that hits philosophy. So that's an encouraging thing that it, it appears like the players have not given up. 
Although I, I used to say that about the Dave Wanstad teams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what is it? It's, once again, it's like you can still be bad and have a lot of heart. We've seen, yeah. we've seen plenty of, plenty of guys don't have heart that should not be, they, they have heart that should not be playing in the league. That, I, you like, just well, described the, my career in sports. Yeah. All the heart in the world doesn't matter. You got, you got a team four Rudy's. That, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I played hard, but I suck. <laughs> and basketball he's always going to his left he's always going to his left i'm like why are you guys telling the defense where i'm headed <laughs> how do you know <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> oh there's one problem not any good <laughs> <laughs> that's right he can't run so <laughs> lay off him and don't guard him on, D- yeah. on, uh, on football when i was playing wide receiver in sandlot he can't there, run. There, I was a I was a, a youth basketball coach at one point, and people were like, and we were terrible. And maybe I'll, I'll blame myself. Maybe I'm a bad coach. Uh, but but talk, I'm like a lot of you know sixth and seventh graders. So I'm like, they're like, what is what's the strength of your team? I'm like, well, we're not fast, but we're small. <laughs> like, uh, what? Like I said, what I said. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> love it, uh, John. You got anything coming up? Oh, you got Buffon Fifty Five on Wednesday, right? Yeah, Buffon Fifty Five. We're gonna break down this game to the best of our abilities, and then we're gonna preview that ever so fun Christmas Eve matchup with the Buffalo Bills. I have a feeling we'll go off on a couple of sidetracks as well. We'll try to understand that Bills team a little bit more. And if you're following the playoffs, maybe you want to learn about the Bills a little bit more. Or if you're a gambler, maybe you want to learn about the Bills a little bit more. So uh, I think that it. It'll it'll be a fun show, regardless of what your expectations are uh, for the game against Buffalo. It's going to be a good time. Maybe we should bring in, as opposed to somebody who can talk to us about the Bills, maybe we should just bring in somebody who could talk to us about the free agency and, and draft class. Because that's I, you know, a big topic of conversation. Yeah, I think we I think we need to just start bringing in people that can tell us whether or not the Bears are going to cover the spread. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because today they covered. They did. Yeah. That is right. Mm-hmm. Mike and, Morse had it again, man. Mm-hmm. God bless him. I'll tell you what. It, it, yeah, if you, if you can somehow book Mike North to come on for the next three weeks, which he's like the roadrunner, man. He, you never know where the hell he's going to be. So yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he'd be happy to come on. But uh, uh, why don't we close this one up, uh, John? Sounds good. What else have we got going on, going on the Barroom Network this week? All right, so tomorrow, uh, besides Greg Gabriel, the afternoon uh, edition of his show, uh, we've got Bears Country Podcast. Uh, Mr. Shorty and Nomad are uh, going to take us through this game, and I'm sure they're going to be as disappointed as they've ever been because this was a demoralizing loss. So join them, Bears Country Podcast, at 7 p.m. Central tomorrow, and then on Tuesday it's Dan and Aldo, Bear Their Souls, um, a nomad is going to be on that show too. So, uh, you're going to get a double dose of nomad uh, this week. And then on Wednesday, of course, of course, the phone 55 and, and onwards with our bears coverage. Now next weekend, because mm-hmm. it is Christmas day, we are not going to do this show bear football. Uh, we've been talking about maybe doing Monday or so forth. So we'll see about that. But, uh, uh, you, you guys are on your own next Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, and i would hope that you would be spending that holiday with your loved ones rather than be like where the hell are aldo and john yeah like (laughs) hey come on man like let's bring it back and the the night the week after that is uh isn't that uh new year's or new year's day yeah the week after that is new year's day so we'll probably we'll take that one off as well so uh, we will be providing a lot of bears coverage throughout the week and uh swanky says i'm going to be at the Dollhouse and uh, Rosemont. No, Swanky. <laughs> if I had to guess, that would be a not a great establishment. <laughs> that's, a, that's in one of those places. 
That's a great that's a great one to end on. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> totally is. All right, uh, John, tell everybody goodbye. All right, everybody. Hey, we appreciate everyone in the chat room. We know it's not easy to come in here and talk about the Bears when you know that they're after that and the season's a wash, but you're still here every week. So I appreciate each and every one of you, whether you're listening to the live version, the podcast version, the video version, or the audio version. This is always a blast. It's therapeutic for everyone. So thank you. We really do appreciate that. But for Aldo Gandia, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next time, everybody. Take care. Thank you.